This morning, I'd like us to turn in our Bibles to two places. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. And uh, before we get into John chapter 19, I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 103. We've been uh, talking uh, 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 the last few Sundays about uh, what the Lord has said on the cross. He says seven things. And we've seen a lot of things being said about, uh, or, or that our Savior uh, talked about on the cross. Uh, we've seen things of salvation. We've seen things of care and compassion. We've seen a lot of stuff that has been talked about uh, with him and his sayings. But this morning, uh, we're going to see a specific passage that really tra- talks about what he did on that cross. Um. And I think, again, you know, we, we, we talk about the cross. We talk about his shed blood. We talk about that, that death that he, he experienced for us, that being made a curse for us, for our sin, so that we would have eternal life and forgiveness of sins. Uh, we talk a lot about that, but sometimes I don't think we truly think about and meditate on exactly what he did. And all the things that we see that, that, that are revealed in the Gospels about what he did on the cross are important to us. I mean, without him dying on the cross, we would have no hope. And we understand that, right? We would be without hope in this world. The Bible talks about it. Paul makes it very clear that we would be without hope. And he said we would be most miserable. Because, again, we would have no hope. We'd be like the rest of the world, where the world has no hope because they don't see Jesus Christ. They don't see what he's done for us. They don't realize that we can have, truly have forgiveness of sins. But in Psalm chapter 103, and I want to start off with this, this, um, this passage, Psalm chapter 103, and in verse 14, this is talking about the Lord. It says, for he knoweth our frame and remembereth that we are dust. You realize he re- he knows exactly what we are made from. I mean, Adam, in the beginning, what was he created out of? Dust. He took dust out of the ground. He created Adam, breathed breath of life into him. And immediately, what do we wind up seeing? We see there's man. He became a living soul at that point in time. And he remembers exactly how fragile we are. Our bodies are extremely fragile. I mean, we can take some rough and tumble uh, here and there, and we like to think that we're tough, but let's just face it. We're just as this weird carbon organic compound mix of things and minerals and stuff and dirt. <laughs> Somebody went through and calculated, well, what would the exact cost of all of this dirt that's in our body be? You know, all these minerals and all of these things. And somebody said, and this was several years ago, that our bodies are worth about $2.78. I mean, our, the dust that we take off the ground in our dust bunnies that we sweep up or, or take off of a, you know, a bookcase or something of that nature when we dust and we look at all that, what do we think about that? We don't relish all of that dust, do we? When you dust in, you're, you're going through and you're cleaning things up and you take down the cobwebs, you don't sit there and look at it and go, oh man, that's an amazing, that's an amazing dust bunny. Now we might say that because of the size of it, because it's been a while since we dusted or since we swept. But I'll tell you this, we don't, what do we, do we treasure it? 
No, what do we do? We either wash the rag that we dusted with or we throw it away. God remembers what we are. And this is an amazing fact and an amazing part of prophecy because if you go back over there to John chapter 19, we realize that that's what he became for us. He was made flesh for us. Turn to John chapter 19 now and take a look here in this passage. In verse 28, it says this, and this is the, uh, the, the next saying that we see upon the cross. In verse 28, it says, in this, Jesus, uh, excuse me, after this, Jesus knowing all, that all things were uh, now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was a vessel, uh, there was set a vessel full of vinegar and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon a hyssop and put it to his mouth. You're thirsty and somebody says, hey, why don't you go ahead and take a big swig of that, you know, white vinegar over there. Like, thanks, but no. Some people drink apple cider vinegar for their for their stomach's sake, you know. And I understand that. I get that. But, you know, I personally, uh, number one, I'm allergic to apples, so I'm not doing any apple cider vinegar. But, uh, I, you know, I, just vinegar is just not something you really relish drinking. But I want you to look at that saying. He said, I thirst. I thirst. I, I when we think about this for a second, about who this is, this is Jesus Christ. Turn over there to, to, to the book of Matthew and, and, and see what he has this discussion with his disciples. Uh, you know, obviously during the course of his ministry, he has this discussion with his disciples over in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> And he says in verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea of Philippi, he asked his disciples, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they say, uh, and they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elias. Some say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Son, or excuse me, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He makes a distinct declaration. But he's asking the question, he's like, who, who do you, who do you think I am? And I want us to phrase this, you know, use this phrase this morning to think about, here he is on that cross. Brutalized for us, hanging on that cross for us, and he's there, who do we really think he is? Now I'm not asking it in some sort of flippant response or, or, or any kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, derogatory manner, but, but who do we really think that that is that is on that cross? When we begin to realize that here he is in, in that passage over in John chapter 19, verse 28, saying, I thirst, you know what this is speaking of? This is speaking of the fact that here he is, the Son of God, the Christ, in human form on that cross. Those words, I thirst, speak of his humanity that he had. You realize that in order to pay for our sins, he came in the human form so that we would have that forgiveness of sins. So he would take that punishment for us, so that he would die for us. It's his humanity. And there's a huge importance to that humanity. There's a huge importance to that humanity. Turn over to the book of uh, 1 Timothy. 
First Timothy chapter three. And in First Timothy chapter three, we find this passage. If I can get there. In verse 16, it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. You want to know what one of the most amazing mysteries is? That God would send himself in the form of man to die for me. Now, that's a mystery. Why in the world would somebody do that? Why in the world would God do that? And this is what Paul says. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. And there we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. There we have this demonstration of who he is. And it says that God manifests in the flesh. He says this is a mystery of the godliness of God. This is the mystery of what he does on a day-to-day basis. We talk about goodness and mercy following us all the days of our life over there in Psalm chapter 23 this morning. And here, what do we see? We see an amazing thing that is taking place, that here he is on this cross, and with the word saying, I thirst, he is demonstrating that he is in a human form saying he has a need. Do we realize that he what he was going through for us at this point in time? This, this manifestation. You go over to the book of Philippians, which we've been studying, Philippians chapter 2. We've been studying that over there on Wednesday nights in Philippians chapter 2. And in verse, uh, in verse 6, here it talks about who he is. And it says, who being Jesus Christ, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's the mindset of Christ. And you know what the mindset of Christ is? It's in a human form. He says this is what we as Christians are supposed to be doing. This is how we're supposed to be thinking. Here he is in Philippians 2, verse uh, verse 7 and in verse 8, where he's talking about and saying it was being made in the likeness of men. He had the same flesh. He had the same issues that we had. You go over there to John chapter 4 and in verse 6, what does it say? It says that he was wearied with his journey as he was going to Samaria. He got tired. The shortest, one of the shortest verses in the scripture. John chapter 11. Over there in verse 36 or 35, I can't remember right now, where it says, Jesus wept. Two words, Jesus wept. And why is he weeping? And, and, and that alone could preach an entire message about why Jesus was weeping at, at, at the, you know, the, the gravesite, the tomb of Lazarus. Weeping because of the unbelief. Weeping because there was a friend. Weeping because he's showing care and compassion. Weeping because of all of these things. You know what it demonstrates? It shows here's Jesus Christ weeping, crying. You know, we weep about things. We weep about loss. We weep about hardships. 
We weep about difficult things in our life. And here we find him, number one, being wearied. And number two, now crying and weeping in the form that a human man or a human woman would do. And we find here on the cross, he's saying, I thirst in the form of a human saying, I need something. I'm thirsty. You ever been to a point of where you're like thirsty? You've got to have a drink. I mean, you are just so thirsty. You've got to, you've got to get something in there and you're just, it's one of those situations where maybe you've been working and you just go and, and you need some sort of refreshment. I want you to understand that here on this cross, at this point in time, the darkness that had come, the separation and the forsaking of the Father that He did for us is there. And you know what He doesn't have anymore? There's a, there's a relationship. God has turned his back at this point. God the Father has turned away from his son. God his Father has turned away from all that sin and, 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 and wickedness that was there, that was placed upon him. The sin of the entire world was there in that moment on Jesus Christ. But there was no sin in him. There was no sin in him. But he bore our sins. He bore my sin. And there he is in that human form asking for one thing and it speaks volumes of the humanity that he had. Understanding that thirst that we would have. Going through, I mean, here we are, we're we're six hours into this crucifixion at this point. Six hours. Six hours. That's not counting the brutality that occurred beforehand that started in the evening and then just kept going and just kept going and just kept going and just kept going and just kept going. This is a long drawn out process. This was a day that, you know, none of us would ever want or hope for. And there he is at this point in time. He hasn't had a chance to eat. He hasn't had a chance to do anything. You know, even even in court cases, there is a point in time where they're saying, hey, the judge is like, man, we've been going at this too long. we got to go get, get something to eat. Otherwise, the jurors are going to start thinking weird thoughts. <laughs> let's, get some, let's get some food in the jurors. Let's get them hydrated. Let's get it some water. Let's get some things going here. And, I, I mean, there's the, human, uh, the humane treatment of prisoners that they have nowadays. The Romans didn't care. Man, alive, the Romans are brutal. I mean, we're talking about starving dehydration, the beatings, the brutality, all of this, this torture that they're exhibiting upon this man at this point in time. And here he is just crying out saying, I thirst. And, 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 and to, to have the, the idea to say, rather than giving him something, well, let's give him vinegar. And somebody's going to say, well, it's some sort of medicinal thing or something like that. Now, you know what it was? It was vinegar. They're mocking him. They don't care. They don't care. They're not going to say, oh, hold on a second. Somebody somebody got a thermos of nice cold water? Somebody go over there and grab one of those Dasani water bottles for me. Get a ladder. Let's get up there and make sure that this guy's, you know, doing all right. Let's see. No, they put a sponge on a stick and said, suck on that. They didn't do it to care. But those words, I thirst... Demonstrated the care. You know, he said he remembers our frame. 
He knew exactly what that meant. He knew exactly what that was. He knew exactly what it meant to have that. And it's an amazing thing to think about over there in chapter 4. He asks a woman at a well for some water. But it led to something else, that conversation. It led to a whole town believing on Jesus Christ. You know, it never says that he ever got his drink. <laughs> and, you know, and there's the beauty of the Savior. And here's John portraying Jesus Christ as God, but it also portrays Jesus Christ as God in the flesh. Go over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and you see there in John chapter 1, and in verse um, verse 14 over there, <clears throat> it says, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You realize that here's John writing this, and he was the only one at the cross, the only one of the disciples at the cross? And he said he beheld his glory. He beheld his glory as he was sitting there. He beheld his glory as he was watching all of this trial go on. He beheld his glory as he was nailed to a cross. He beheld his glory as he was dying for, for John's sins. He beheld that glory. Do we read that verse, I thirst, and behold his glory? The word of God, as it is written to us, I thirst, and we realize what he did for us. He humbled himself to be made dust. And that dust died for us. That dust gave himself for us. Because we couldn't pay it ourselves. We think about this just for a moment. There it is to pay for our sins. Go over to the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 9. And we find exactly what this is about. Why he came in this flesh. Why he came in the form of a man, in the form of a servant. Why he humbled himself to come from glory to be made lower than the angels, as the scripture says, to, to, to be brought into a, this human state of, of, of if you will, flesh, dust. And in Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 9, take a look here at verse 22. And it says, And almost all things by the law purged with blood, are, are by the law purged with blood, for without the shedding of blood there is no remission. This is why he had to die. This is why he had to die. Why? Why? Because he's communicating something to us. He's communicating that, 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 that he is thirsting and he, as he's dying on this cross, he, there's a need that is there that he is fulfilling, that he's shedding the blood for those sins that there had to be something there. This is what they did in the Old Testament. This is what they did in the garden. This is why Cain had an issue with, with, with Abel because what he was offering wasn't shedding any blood. But the lamb that Abel offered did. But here as we look at this and we begin to realize what's going on here, here he is, he's communicating the fulfillment of Scripture. 
that he would die for us. That he would die for us. Go over to the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 32. Psalm chapter 32. In Psalm chapter 32, Psalm chapter 32, here it is. It's in a messianic prophecy of salvation. In a prophecy of who the Messiah would be and what the Messiah would do. See, the Jews had a hard time accepting this. They were looking for a king. They weren't looking for a savior. They were looking for the kingdom to come. They weren't looking for that forgiveness of sins. And here it is being offered, and it was prophesied many years, many, many years before. And here he is in in, in Psalm chapter 32. I want you to jump down to verse 4. It says, For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me until uh, my moisture is turned into the drought of summer. This is a messianic prophecy talking about what he was experiencing. Have you ever been so thirsty that your tongue cleaved to your mouth? It was so dry, you didn't even have enough spit to form anything to even somewhat try to refresh. And there he is on that cross, and here he is explaining exactly what it was like. It was like a drought inside of him. It was like a drought that was inside of him. He had no moisture. You know, you know, I'm constantly drinking stuff for the sake of hydration because my body craves it; it needs it. If I don't get it, I get cracked lips and dry skin and everything else. Right? We do that just, you know, so we look somewhat pleasant. You know, (laughs) we shake hands. It's not like shaking hands with like an alligator's mouth or something. You know, it's ripping us to shreds. I've got soft, supple hands. Yes. But, you know, we think about this for a second. There's, you know, you work around it. Mike knows he works around masonry dust. That stuff sucks up the moisture. When we think about this for just a brief second about what the Lord is going through and this, this prophecy about there was no moisture, it was like a drought inside of him, and here he is declaring just simply, I thirst, this is part of a suffering that he's going through, an anguish in the flesh for us. Turn over a couple more pages to Psalm chapter 42. Psalm chapter 42. Psalm chapter 42, and take a look at verse 1. It says, blessed is he, oh, excuse me, that's verse four, or chapter 41. Uh, in verse uh, 1 of chapter 42, it says, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continue saying to me, where is thy God? Isn't that what they were saying to him on the cross? Isn't that how they were deriding him? Here again, in a messianic prophecy, what do we see here about who he is? I want you to say here, it says he thirsted for God. So not only was it a physical moisture issue, it was a spiritual issue. God the Father had turned his back, had been forsaken, and he had cried out earlier, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And here he is now saying, I thirst. He wanted that relationship. 
Here he is in the flesh, and I understand he is God, but here he is in the flesh for that purpose of dying on the cross for me as a man giving himself, giving his life for me. And there he is saying, I thirst, I thirst for God. You realize that that is one of the things that we look at that is a universal need for people today? I mean, here was, you know, a final expression of care, and here he is sympathizing with his creation. 1 Peter 5, 7 says he cares for us. Over there in Hebrews chapter 4, talks about his, his love and compassion and care for us. And I want us to think about this just for a moment as we look at this simple saying of I thirst. Here he is saying that he had a desire for God. When's the last time we could say, I thirsted for the Lord? I thirst. Here he's talking about this deer in this heart that's panting. And what is it doing? It's panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Is God, do we pant after God and do we desire and thirst after him more than we do our water? Some of us carry around water bottles to stay hydrated. How many of us carry around that thirst for the Word of God? How many of us care enough to sit there and say, I want my soul panting after God so much so that I just desire it. And there he is on the cross experiencing that for us. You realize that that is the universal need of mankind? God. They talk about, well, you know, water is a universal need. Water is a universal need. Everybody needs water. Everybody needs clean water. I was talking to a guy up at, uh, up at the camp over there, and he was talking about going down and helping the, the Russells in Mexico. And, of course, you know, I just playing around a little bit. I'm like, dude, don't drink the water. Just a reminder, don't drink the water. Not clean. Our stomachs and intestines can't take it. Even if you brush your teeth, don't use the tap water. That's how bad it is. You you, you buy bottled water and you make sure it's good bottled water and it's sealed and then you pour it on there and, you you know, you take care of it, right? But I, I want us to think about this for a second. Water is a universal need for our human bodies, right? Some 70% of our, our, our body mass is water. I think that's what it is, if I remember my high school biology. <laughs> but you realize that, that even though our bodies need that kind of water, need that moisture, that our soul needs it more. You know what the universal need isn't, isn't clean water. The universal need is a savior. And there he is on that cross, declaring that for us. I thirst. I thirst. You think about that for a minute, and you think about exactly what that means when somebody's going to die in their sins and experience, you know, a, 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 a separation from God uh, in, in, in torment of flames for the rest of their life. And, and you see and remember what he's talked about with the, the rich man just begging, begging for a drop of water. Just a drop. 
Just one drop, just to stick somebody's finger in there, come over there, and as it moves along, it's still, it's evaporating as it moves to just give that little remnant of a drop that that would have sustained him. And that was denied. Why? Because he had not received the Lord in this life. And when we realize that, that that is the end of, of a person when they die in their sins. And God says he's not willing that any should perish. He came and he died on that cross so that we would have eternal life. So that men would turn from their wicked ways and repent. So that women would return from their sin and repent. So that mankind and humans would come and they would receive that mercy from God, that grace that is given so freely, that eternal life that is a gift. What do we thirst for? What is it we thirst for in this life? There's a universal need. I mean, here he is fulfilling all of these things of Scripture. Turn over to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. You ever go through some, and we talked a little bit about this over the past couple of weeks, you ever go through so much pain that you can't even think? Now, pain is a weird thing. Pain will make you think weird thoughts. I mean, pain, pain is sometimes all you can focus on in the moment. You're not rational. People are talking to you and you, all you, you know what you hear? <laughs> you don't hear anything. Why? Because you just want relief from it. But I want you to notice that here he is on the cross, realizing the fulfillment of scripture, realizing all of the will of God that has to be done. Even through all the suffering, even through all the problems, even through the trial, even through all of this that's going on, he realizes he still has to do God's will. He has to do the will of the Father. And when we look at this here, you know, we can see an example of what we're supposed to do. Would we be able to go through with all of this? I don't think any of us would. I don't think any of us would ever dare lift up ourselves in pride and say that we could endure what he did for us. And keep our minds straight while we're going through it. You want to know why? Because we get a paper cut and we cry like babies. We stub our toe and it's the end of the world. We have some affliction in our life, some trials and tribulation, and we can't bear it. And here's the Lord saying, you know what? I'll do it all for them. I'll do it all for them. I'll go through it and I'll even keep my mind where he says after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished. He had enough knowledge and enough, you know, if you will, uh, uh, mental ability at that point in time after enduring six hours of this to realize that prophecy had to be fulfilled. In Hebrews chapter 4 and in verse 16, <clears throat> back up here to, to excuse me to, to verse uh, 14 it says seeing then that we have uh, a great high priest that is passed into the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold 
For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You know what? He went through that. He endured it, as it says there in verse 15, being touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And, and as it says there, was tempted as we are, yet without sin. All for us to endure that, to say, I thirst, so that our thirst would be fulfilled, so that we could come to the throne of grace and pray. I want you to think about that. That I thirst was a fulfillment so that in Hebrews we would see that because of what he did, I can pray to my Savior, my shepherd, my God, my Lord. Think about what he did for us. All of that, so I can just go to the throne and I can say, Lord. And even if it's, a, if it's at the point of where we come boldly to the throne of grace and at the point of salvation, we say, Lord, save me. He answers it. And if we get to the point of where we're going through and we're going through a difficult time and we're going through a trial and we cry out, Lord, save me. And he hears that prayer and he hears that and he understands it and he understands that thirst for our, for, for the Lord, that thirst for him, that thirst, that refreshment that we can only find in Christ. And here he is saying all of this for us. All of this for us to complete that father, to, to complete the father's will. Go over to the book of John chapter four this time. Going back over there, as I was referenced before, but I want us to see this in John chapter 4. <clears throat> John chapter 4. <clears throat> in verse 14. Let's back up here a little bit <clears throat> to this passage. And in, uh, in verse uh, 6 there, it says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. It was about the sixth hour that he cried out, I thirst. And here he is, it says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. That he's just there. It's just him and this woman. And it says there in verse 9, it says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest of me, which is which am a Samaritan, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. A Jew dying of thirst would never ask a Samaritan for a drop of water. That's how much they hated them. Such nice people. <laughs> that's what pride will do to you, by the way. That's what lifting up of yourself will do. That's what religious traditions will do. That's what fake Christianity will do. You will despise everyone around you. But a real true Christian sees that. And has care and compassion, just like our Savior. And here he says, his answer to this, and Jesus answered and said unto her in verse 10, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is 
that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. In one brief sentence, he changed the entire conversation to, if you knew who I was, you would ask for salvation. If you knew who I was, you would ask for salvation. You want to know why? Because he knew that that's what that woman was thirsting for. When he says, I thirst on that cross, he is very much describing this need that this woman needs. He's describing the salvation that she needs in her life. He's describing everything that is just, you know, wrong and going through all of the problems and the things. He's describing it here very clearly saying, I know exactly what you need. You need a savior. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, in verse 11, Thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence hast thou that living water? She's like, okay, right, I'm going to humor you. What are you talking about? <laughs> in verse 12 it says, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this, uh, gave us the well and drank thereof himself, and his children and his cattle? What living water are you talking about? You're going to dig a well right here? You know, almost, I can almost see some of the, the sarcasm in this. And he responds with kindness. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. He knew what exactly she needed. That universal need. That universal need for that, and here she is, she hears that word everlasting, those words everlasting life. She hears him talking about something different, a different kind of water. I mean, we, we talk about there's different kinds of water. You can go out there and there's, there's spring water, and there's mineral water, and there's water from Fiji, and there's water from Europe, and there's water that's sparkling, and then there's water that's not, and I mean, there's water everywhere. You can go out there, and they have a whole aisle in the grocery store dedicated to what? Water. You can get all kinds of water. And some of those, you know what they do? They just go up to the tap and they fill up the bottle, screw it on, put it in a bag or with a little plastic container, put it on the shelf. And it says, bottled from a tap source. <laughs> and we like it. And we drink it. And we consume it. Why? Because we have a need for that physical, uh, 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 or we, we have a desire for that, to fulfill that physical need, that thirst. We want something to refresh us. All those different kinds of water. And here he is. He's talking about a different kind of water you can't get in the grocery store. You can't go and buy this. You can't get this from any ordinary well is what he's saying. The only way that you can get this is from the living God. Who gives the living water. Who's sitting there and having a conversation in the flesh with this woman. Do we understand 
the impact that Christ would come as a human being, as a man, to give us the salvation that we thirst for. And she she hears that and she's like, I want that. I want that. This man thirsting for God. This man thirsting for God. And there, yeah, people will go out there and say, well, what about the atheist that claims there is no God? Well, they can claim it all day long. But you know what the issue is? They're wrong. They're wrong. You can't take a look at this world and tell me that this happened from an explosion. Anybody that's seen what an explosion does knows that it doesn't come out nice and orderly like this. A 500-pound bomb, you know what that does to a building? Leaves nothing left. It leaves a nice big impact crater. It leaves things scattered all over the place. And you're telling me that all of a sudden from a big bang this happened? No. No. If you believe that, I got a bridge over in uh, to sell you or, or, or what is it? Uh, uh, coastal or waterfront property, beachfront property in Arizona to sell you or something. You know, it's, it's that mentality. But here we are thinking about what the Lord's saying here. And here we are realizing that there's this thirst for God. And I will tell you, even, even to the day, psychologists say there's something about the human composition. There's something about them that has a desire for God. They talk about it. They talk about the God center of the brain where there's a desire that is there. And, and, and scientists can't explain it. You want to know why they can't explain it? Because they don't read about it. And they don't understand that here is God that remembers our frame and says, I'm going to put something in you that wants this. That wants forgiveness of sins. You know, that that's a basic need. Even, even the secular world understands forgiving people of wrong is the right thing to do. They even understand that. They even understand it. They understand it to a fault. But here's here's God saying, this is a universal need. Go over to chapter 1 again of John, John chapter 1, and take a look at what what John the Baptist says about the Word. In John chapter 1, in verse 1, Here's the Apostle John writing this, and it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we're talking about God. And then it says the Word was made flesh in verse 14. So we know that God, as it says, was manifest in the flesh over in 1 Timothy 3.16. And we see very clear here in verse 14, this is God in the flesh dwelling among us. And here's John the Baptist, a different John, not John the Apostle that wrote it, but John the Baptist. And this is what John the Baptist says in verse 29. It says, In the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John the Baptist clearly understood why Jesus Christ was there. And if we go back over there and we read that passage in verse 19, or chapter 19, verse 28. And we see him communicating the thirst for mankind. 
Do we realize the need that we have for God in our life? There he is on the cross communicating it. There he is communicating that need for God, panting after the Lord, panting after God the Father, panting after that relationship, desiring that in his life, in human form, that forsaking that occurs, a thirst happens. And I will tell you this, to be like the rich man and lift up our eyes in hell, and desire for a drop of water, that thirst is too late. That thirst is too late. Jesus Christ died on that cross and said, I thirst, so we wouldn't have to. He said, I thirst, so we never have to go through that. You know, here we are in our Western world with all of our things. And sometimes it seems like man thirsts for everything else. There's a thirst for friends. There's a thirst for, thirst for relationships. There's a thirst for love. There's a thirst for, for, um, for stuff. There's a thirst for power, prestige, preeminence. There's a thirst in this world for all sorts of things. But at the very root and the very heart of mankind, there's a thirst for something else. Why? Because those can never fulfill, never quench that thirst. It just seems to create it more. Yeah, if you drink the wrong things, it just makes you more thirsty. Did you drink the living water? You never thirst again. You never thirst again. I want to ask you this morning, are you thirsty today? If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I, 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 I want to make sure that I make it clear. The way of salvation is so simple. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved over in Acts chapter 16. It says in Romans chapter 10, whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is a free gift. Why? It's a free gift because we can't buy it. Romans 3.23, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God, we know that we need it, but in Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He died on that cross to give us forgiveness of sins, so we would never have to thirst for that. So that we would have that relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're here today and maybe it's been a long time since you drank from the well. Maybe it's been a long time since you've truly had a desire for the things of the Lord. Maybe it's a situation where you really need to get right with God. Maybe there's a thirst. Maybe there's something that's missing in your life. I'll tell you this. It can only be found in Jesus Christ. Nothing else out there will ever satisfy that thirst. Nothing. Have you received that water today?
If you have Christian, you know what this is? These are words of rejoicing. Remembering what he did for us so that we never have to thirst again. Remembering what he's gone, gone through so that we can look at the word of God and realize he gave himself for us so that we might live for him, to please him. He purchased us with a price. He has shed blood. Do we live for him on a day-to-day basis? Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time. And Lord, I thank you again for what you've given to us in your word. For Lord, this saying, well, it's simple. I thirst. Lord, it communicates to us that need that we we have in our life. And Lord, I pray that that many of us here have done that, that we've received that, that, that the living water. But Lord, if there's somebody here today that is not sure, that has never trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, that has never said and desired forgiveness of sins and the Lord to save them from the eternal punishment that lies ahead, Lord, I pray that they would do that today. Again, Lord, I just thank you for this time. Thank you for all that you've given to us. I thank you for this opportunity to think on these things. To give us a bit of sobriety this morning about what you did on the cross for us. And I pray these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.